Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled working mother who hit snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode. We are kicking off 2023 with a really great topic. I hope you listened to the first couple of episodes of the year. As you may know, if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm really someone who likes to reflect and review and be very intentional moving forward. So if you're just joining in for the new year, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to the first episode of the year, reflecting back on 2022, and then listen to the next episode on looking forward to 2023 and outlining your goals and really thinking about what your intentions are and how you want to see 2023 go. I have a feeling that one of the things that's going to come up for a lot of people of course, we're talking a lot about health on the podcast, and that's our goal is to talk about all sorts of topics relevant to healthy habits. But today we're talking about sleep and sleep. It's really, it's a, it's a fundamental habit and a foundation for so many other habits and patterns that you're going to be working on. So I, so I thought it was so fitting to schedule this first as our, as our first content specific episode for the year, because it's going to have an impact on so many other things. And I'm so honored to introduce my guest for today. We have Devin Burke, who is a sleep expert, and we are going to learn a lot from him. So welcome, Devin. Thanks, Carol, for having me. I'm excited to talk sleep with you. I am too. So tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you're doing. Yeah. So, well, I'll give you the highlight reel, and then I'll share with you how I got here. So I'm a best-selling author of The Sleep Advantage a TEDx and international speaker and the founder of Sleep Science Academy, where we uh, help people all across the United States with chronic insomnia. Um, and how I got into this work is not through my own pain or sleep issues. I'm actually an amazing sleeper. I was actually through uh, someone else's. And I looked into what was available for this person. And I found sleeping pills, which is really where most people, when they have sleep challenges, what they go to the doctor and that's what they find. And, um, and as I started to really go down the rabbit hole of, of learning how to help someone improve their sleep, I just, I was first and foremost, I was fascinated by what I was finding because I, I like a lot of people take sleep for granted. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that it's the foundation of health. It's not, I had no idea that our, you know, our bodies and minds are wide awake when we're, we're asleep doing a lot of things. Um, so I got fascinated by it. And then as I started to learn the tools to really help people sleep, um, started to get results with some of the clients I was working with, a lot of high-performing entrepreneurs who, as you can imagine, had sleep issues. Um, that just set me on this journey of really um, 
supporting at this point, thousands of people that have really bad sleep issues. It's, it's so powerful because if you talk to anyone who has ever struggled with sleep, it's devastating. I mean, it really takes over your life and can be truly devastating. So to have, I w- I'm sure you didn't stumble upon a solution, but to have um, put together yeah. solutions is really life-changing for people struggling. So the work you're doing is so very important. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, and you're right. I did, you know, everyone wants the quick fix. Every, and honestly, I was looking for it myself. And, it, it, you know, and it's it's not. It's there's no quick fix. There's no silver bullet. You know, better sleep isn't in a supplement or or a pill. It takes work. It takes behavioral change. It takes understanding yourself. It takes, um, you know, it, it, it can take a lot, but it's worth it because mm-hmm. when you improve your sleep, every single aspect of your life improves your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, your resilience, your, you know, weight loss. I mean, there's not an important area of our life that isn't touched by sleep, either positively or negatively. Um, and so it's, it's really so, so important for people to, um, to prioritize, protect, and also to understand mm-hmm. how to improve it if they're having issues. Yeah, it's so true. And, um, so much to say. Okay. So let's talk about kind of from square one, if someone is struggling and you're starting to put the pieces together, okay, how do we fix the situation? What are some of the areas that you're going to be looking at to find the clues of, of what might be contributing to insomnia and to start helping them improve things? Yeah. So the framework that I've you know put together that's that's so effective is it's really the opposite of what most people do. And I'll explain what most people do, and then I'll explain how we do it the opposite way. Um. So most people, when they have sleep issues, they first they start looking at their environment. How do they change their environment? And they might make their room cold and dark and do some sleep hygiene, which is there's time and place for that. Um, but it doesn't solve sleep issues. It's really, it's, it can help improve sleep quality. So most people start there and then they maybe get into the physiology and they, they look at maybe, okay, I need to get a sleeping medication or I need, I need to, you know, change my diet or I need to, you know, um, make some behavioral change that affect my, my physical health. And there's a time and a place for that. And then maybe then they get to the psychological piece of, oh, well, maybe it's between my my ears. Maybe it's stress or maybe it's how I'm thinking about it. And that's usually the last sort of area where people start to look. And what I discovered is that really that should be the first area that people look mm. because sleep and stress are bi-directionally linked, meaning the more stress you experience, the less rest you experience. And the less rest you experience, the more stress you experience. So primarily most people's sleep challenges are, you know, they're, they're, it's psychological that then becomes physiological. And so we address the psychological sort of element, if you will, then the physiological, then the environment. So we kind of inverse the, uh, the way and it's very effective. And I've tried it different ways. I tried looking at, okay, let's look at the you know physiology first and then and then maybe the psychology. And then the, I've tried sort of shuffling these um, areas around and what works the best is literally op- the opposite of what most people do when they're when they're trying to improve or or um, you know overcome a sleep challenge. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure you'll get into this, but it's a it's a trap because once you start having trouble sleeping, then you start thinking about the trouble you're having sleeping. And then the more you're thinking about it, then the more wired you become and then the harder it is to sleep. So how in the world do you go about addressing that with the psychological 
approaches. Yeah. So, so we have a term for that at Sleep Science Academy. We call it the sleep paradox. And it's the harder you try to force or control sleep, the worse it can actually get. And because what happens is it creates this hyper arousal loop where the body essentially is in a state of fight or flight, and then it's releasing you know, cortisol and adrenaline um, at the wrong times. And then, of course, the body, if it feels like it's at threat, it's not going to sleep. So to answer your question, the first step is understanding what are the thoughts and the beliefs that you're telling yourself that are creating the fear, the doubt, the worry, the, the, the stress, the activation that then leads to your body not doing what it knows how to do, what it's designed to do, which is sleep. Mm-hmm. So this mean, this this can look like doing an inventory. And really, we, we have our, um, our clients, we have a list of 50 common thoughts that people have. And they might sound something like this, like, um, if I don't figure this out, I'm going to die. I can't, you know, tomorrow is going to be terrible if I don't sleep. Um, I, I, something's physically broken within me, you know, it's, and so there's a whole slew of common thoughts and beliefs that people have that then keep the body in a stress state. And so once you do the inventory of those thoughts and beliefs, you identify, you know, which ones are the most sort of triggering, then then there's a lot of different solutions to to you can we we could reframe them, we could do some inquiry on them, we can accept them, we can practice mindfulness and be with those thoughts and beliefs. Um, so there's a lot of different tools that then we sort of help people connect to, Mm -hmm. to then navigate through, through that. Um, and we see a massive difference once people, you know, once that first step, they have the awareness and they get the tools and the support to sort of navigate through the body then starts to respond. And it's, uh, it's amazing when that starts to happen. I know that to be true because I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. So you're speaking my language here and what you're talking about all comes from cognitive behavioral therapy or cognitive therapy. And what's really interesting is that people really vary in the degree to which they have awareness of their thoughts. And so, you know, some people may be hyper in tuned and, you know, know every single thought that zips on by and other people don't, and they're not even aware, you know, of the process of having thoughts. And so sometimes that step number one is just teaching people to catch the thoughts that they're having. And then step number two is, okay, well, now that we see the thought and now we make that connection and we can understand how that's contributing to whether it's physiology or the feeling of anxiety. Now we have to figure out what to do with it. And like you said, there are a lot of strategies ranging from acceptance to challenging it and kind of playing it out and seeing if we can start to think about things in a new way. But that is really powerful. I mean, just teaching people specific to insomnia, but even just this general skill of learning more about your thoughts, getting a little distance from them and knowing that you have a choice about what you want to do with them. That's really, really huge. Yeah. Mindfulness really, we found has been an amazing tool. And there's a lot of studies that now show that mindfulness um, helps improve sleep outcomes. And so it's because I think the practice of mindfulness, whether it's on a cushion or, you know, a different form of mindfulness does create that increase in awareness where people then can have more, uh, are more conscious of their thoughts and how those thoughts then impact, you know, how they feel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's tricky though, for some people, because, you know, I I like to say, you know, acceptance isn't really a strategy. It's a way of being. And it's, it's, I, I, I kind of, it's like, the feeling of acceptance, how you know you're in acceptance is it feels kind of like forgiveness in the body. 
you know, it's this sort of whether or not it's what you like, you're you're okay with it. And it's not it's not resignation. It's not you know not doing something about it. But it is it is a certain way of being that I think people can can learn to tap into. That is extremely powerful, not just for sleep, but yeah, just for for yeah. life in general. I like to think of it as coexistence. I've thought about that word a lot, and I find it when I say it to other people, um, you know, in a session, I say, well, acceptance, it's hard because some people don't want to accept it or maybe you can't, but I like coexist. That is just, we know that it's there and we can do, we can think something else or feel something else. It, it just sort of is, but anyway, I won't get into the weeds with that. So, okay. So that's the psychological pillar. What's the next pillar that you would address? So then it's the physiology. So there's there's a couple of really important things to talk about here. Um, we're talking about physiology. So so light and temperature are the two sort of levers that can impact sleep. And what's good for your health is good for your sleep. So if if you're not, you know, uh, you know, we can start with with lighting. Most people, I just read a statistic. I think it's ninety percent of people spend ninety percent of their time indoors. Or actually, no, it's it's more than 90%. It's 100% of people spend 90% of their time indoors. So we're not getting the right amount of light. And our bodies have something called a circadian clock. Actually, every cell has a, has a type. And so what happens is because we're not getting light, enough light at the right times, this, this throws our bodies out of balance. And just getting outside first thing in the morning if you could watch the sun rise and actually if you could watch the sun set, these are two things that actually help us resync our circadian clock. Mm. Um, and it's really important physiologically to have a healthy clock. Um, it just getting outside, actually putting your feet on the ground, believe it or not, it sounds sort of like a hippie thing, but there, there's science that shows that that helps sync our biorhythms mm -hmm. to the rising and the setting of the sun. And most of us are just totally disconnected from these natural rhythms because of technology and because of the fast-paced lives that we have and, and where we live oftentimes in you know big cities um so really pulling the lighting lever is important so if you live in the northeast and it's in the middle of winter you can get a light box that um that's that can be useful and helpful um but getting outside first thing in the morning moving your body getting some light that's going to help keep that circadian clock healthy it's then so interesting. The so oh, I was just going to jump in real quick and say, you know, we talk a lot yeah. about the importance of movement and, you know, if you're someone who likes to do it in the morning, great. But what you're saying is that it's even better to make that movement take place outside, you know, like an indoor treadmill, that's yes. great. An indoor bike, that's great. But getting outside, you're getting two for the price of one. You're getting movement and you're getting the sunlight. Exactly, exactly. And in the reason so, so the melatonin is the sleep hormone. And so there's these cells in our eyes called myopsin cells that actually trigger the release of this hormone melatonin, right? So light is the trigger for that. And so if we're not getting the right light at the right times, and oftentimes we're getting the wrong light, like late at night with blue light, we're on our devices, we're working. And there's also that hyper arousal that comes along with that, that disturbs this very important physiological system that helps us sleep. Yeah. Um, the other system is adenosine, the buildup of adenosine, the sleep pressure. So adenosine is this uh, neurochemical that builds up in our bodies that creates something called sleep pressure, which is our desire hunger for sleep. And oftentimes people do things 
behaviors um, that unfortunately disturb this natural process from happening. One of the big ones is drinking coffee and too much of it. Um, so I love a good cup of coffee or espresso, but you know, the half-life of caffeine is is six hours. So it's in our system for 12 and it blocks adenosine, which is the chemical that builds up that creates the sleep pressure. So and then on top of that, if we're not getting quality sleep, the adenosine is not being cleared out because it clears out every night. And so now we're carrying that over into the next day. And that we can call that sleep debt. So doing things like staying hydrated, making sure you're starting your day not with coffee, but starting with a big glass of water and then waiting an hour to have your coffee make a huge difference. And then not having coffee or caffeine after really 1 p.m makes a huge difference to help this physiological system um, do what, it, what it's designed to do, which is build up that sleepiness. Um, and there's a lot of other things we can, we can, levers you can pull physiologically, like nutritionally is very important, what and when you're eating, not just what you're eating, but when you're eating it. Um, movement, not just how you're moving, but when you're moving and where you're moving, as you mentioned, Carol. So there's a lot in the physiology. But you only really start to address the physiology once you you really understand the psychology. Yeah. What I thought you were going to say when you when you led up to caffeine, I thought you were going to talk about naps as a really big disruptor of sleep pressure. Well, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make that are having sleep issues is they nap yeah. because that's the other thing that reduces that, that that's you know, sleep pressure. And not to say that there's not a time and a place for naps. I think if you don't have sleep issues, napping can be an amazing strategy for rest and restoration. But if you're having a sleep issue, and most people do, napping is is not going to be something that you're going to want to do as well. Yep, I totally get that. Um, okay, so that's the physiological part. And then the third pillar is the environment. So what do you look at for that? Yeah, and I want to just add one more thing to the physiological pillar. So we'll sure, take back one. up. So, yep. so also um, the timing of your sleep. So going to bed and waking up at the same time, especially waking up at the same time, is a really important uh, strategy to help keep this both of these systems healthy. So especially waking up. But if you could get on a consistent sleep schedule, that would do wonders for both of the systems that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So now let's jump to the environment. Okay. <laughs> um, and there's, there's way more in each of these buckets too, by the way, we're just kind of skimming the surface. Um, so the environment, and this is again, where most people start, this is looking at your sleep environment. Is your room cool, dark, and quiet? That's really important. Um, your your bedroom should be a sanctuary. It should be a place where you walk in and it's it's the most important room in the house. The bed's the most important piece of furniture that you own because you're on it for a third of your life. So making sure you have a supportive mattress, good clean bedding, you know, you have good quality air. Um, it's it's a harmonious environment. That makes a difference. Your home environment makes a difference. You know, if you're if your home is full of clutter, if it's a mess, if it's not a place where you feel safe, these are all things that are going to impact the quality and depth of your sleep. Um, so, so making sure that your, your home environment is harmonious, even, you know, the, the paint on the, the color of your walls and different rooms can impact how you feel when you go in those rooms. So even getting to the level of 
of the colors that you choose for your bedding and, and your walls can make a difference. And so there's a lot of levers to pull in this area as well. Um, but just to keep it simple for people, cool, dark, and quiet is what you want the bedroom to, to be. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. I sometimes, I don't know why, maybe because I you know do this kind of work, but sometimes I see these pictures of baby bedding or like infant nurseries with these crazy prints on the wall or like crazy wallpaper. And I feel so bad for these little babies who have to sleep with that. And it feels disturbing to me. Yeah. Hyperstimulation is a real thing and it comes in a lot of forms. It comes in a, you know, it comes, yeah, it comes from our environment. Oftentimes it could be no, you know, humming or noise, or it could be the crazy wall prints that you just described. You really, our environments impact us more than I think most people realize. And it's, it's so easy to just, um, you know, notice what creates hyperstimulation and then, and then change it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does make a big difference. Yeah, I can totally see that. So there's, there, like you said, you, there's so much more that you could say. These are three very powerful pillars and there's a lot of really, really great research and great recommendations that can make a powerful difference. Um, so I was wondering if we could talk a little bit you know, everybody knows it's important to sleep well. And like you said, the sleep is going to affect so many other things. A lot of what I'm helping people work on is weight loss. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why sleep is so important for weight loss. Yes. <laughs> so we, I see this all the time. So people have like really good diets and they're exercising and, and they're like, why, why can't I lose weight? And then you ask them about their sleep. And that's where you know, that that's where the, the improvement needs to be made. So we actually burn fat during the night. Um, and so if we're not getting into the deeper stages of sleep, our bodies aren't burning fat um, as efficiently as they could. And when we don't get quality sleep or enough quality sleep, meaning delta deep sleep or REM sleep, our hormones get disrupted. So a few of them to note here, the first is ghrelin and leptin. So the hunger signaling hormone, and the full signaling hormone, they get out of whack. So you're, you, you're hungrier and your body doesn't know when you're full. Then you crave sugar and fat like crazy because that's energy and you're tired, we're not getting enough sleep. And on top of all of that, our willpower drops. And so we make bad decisions. And so this is a recipe to add one more thing to the recipe here. Our cortisol level increases, it's the fat store hormone. So you combine all of that, and this is what happens when we're not sleeping, and it, it, it leads to, unfortunately, it leads to not being able to lose weight it actually leads to gaining weight mm-hmm. because it's it's hormonal, but it's also psychological and the, the willpower factor. So that's this is a recipe for, unfortunately, for for really being stuck. But for oftentimes, a lot of people feel so stuck with mm-hmm. their weight, and it's like if you could look at your sleep and you can understand, you know how important that is, and you focus on that, then all of a sudden the weight starts to to come off. Yeah. Whereas before it felt like it was just you know impossible to lose. I've had a number of clients who work overnight shifts, you know, whether it's nurses or whatever the field is. And my heart sinks a little bit when I, you know, when I'm doing an intake mm-hmm. and I hear that and I just think, oh, that just makes so many things work against you. And a lot of times that's the one thing that has to change. Like to have long-term success, you have to get out of that, that job or that schedule um, yes. because it's just making everything so much harder. Yeah, it really does. And it's, it's, it's tough. It is tough for certain people to when you're in, you know, if you're doing shift work, if you're a nurse or you do, you know, a factory job or something like that, and you're, it's not natural. 
and you're, you're going to, your body's going to pay the price mm-hmm. because um, specifically cortisol. I mean, the cortisol, what happens is cortisol is highest in the morning when we wake up, that's actually what pulls us out of our sleep, but then it should dip and it, should, it rises and dips throughout the day. And when we're not getting into these deeper stages of sleep, we're not getting enough of that sleep, the cortisol stays high. And cortisol then is, that's the fat storing hormone. It's not, we need cortisol. It's not like cortisol is bad, but too much of it at the wrong time and having it not fluctuate. That's what really creates that belly fat that most uh, people have a really hard time losing. They're like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all the right things. I'm eating healthy food. I'm moving my body. I don't get it. I can't lose this. And then you look at their sleep or sleep quality and then it's like, ah, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so, so true. Um, anything else you want to say about how sleep can affect your health? I think, I mean, I think we covered the big ones, how just psychologically it can be so damaging when you know you're in this pattern of not sleeping well, psychologically, it can do a number on you. It can have an impact on these important hormones that play a role in weight control, the hunger and full sensors, um, Mm -hmm. and then the way it impacts cortisol. And so that's really enough said right there for most of us. That's kind of all we need to know. Um, But wait, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, there's more. Yeah. So so one of the really important areas is for um, brain health. So there's something called the glimpse system. It's the lymph system for the brain. And every night, what happens is this fluid washes over our brain, removes the tau and the beta, beta amyloid, the, the things, the plaque that builds up that creates dementia and Alzheimer's. That happens during the night. And so oftentimes people are disturbed, you know, again, they're not getting into the deeper stages of delta sleep or REM sleep, which is where most of the, the amazingness takes place in these deeper stages of sleep. And this process is you know, there's either not enough time for this process to take place, or you're not getting into those deeper stages of sleep for the process to take place. And there's so many studies now that show that when we don't sleep well, and we don't sleep enough, it, you know, what happens is, you know, increased risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, increased risk of cardiac events, increased risk of diabetes, you know, any major disease, increased risk of having a car crash, because you're just not alert. Like, so if you want to, I used to tell people, if you want to live a long, healthy, and happy life, sleep is a foundation. It is. And so not, I'm not saying this to scare people, but it's important for people to understand how important it is so that you have the momentum and the motivation to actually make the changes to, to resolve it if it is a problem, um, because it really does make that big of a difference in our longevity. Um, you know, they've done studies on genetics, telomeres, the, you know, it's the little caps at the end of our of our of our genes here that show us how long we're going to live they they shorten they've done studies that show they so you're literally you accelerate your aging process when you're not getting enough sleep Uh, and and you could see i mean you could see in people's faces too like anyone here that we all i mean sure everyone listening to this has had sleep issues at some point in their life it's a normal thing but you look at your skin you look at your eyes you just you look run down right you look and and do that compound that over years or weeks or months and you know you you you're accelerating your aging process so if you value beauty and if you value you know looking vibrant sleep is 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 important to that as well yeah and i mean and but the health part that's just so compelling to me you know that there are so many diseases this is why i do the work that i do 
There's so many diseases that are linked to lifestyle behaviors that we have control over, where we can certainly influence. And so that's a really compelling argument as to why we should really prioritize our sleep and and kind of make that the anchor of our day and work everything else around it rather than just kind of squeeze it in whenever we can amongst everything else. So, um, oh my gosh, well, this was really great information and I know I could talk to you a lot. I have two questions before, before we wrap up. Um, so one is, I'm curious, I have two of my favorite things pertaining to sleep and I'm just curious if you are familiar with them. So the first is an app called the Sleep Cycle app. Are you familiar with that one? Mm. I'm not. No, I, I bet, you know, others that probably work the same, but this was really a game changer for me. This is an app you, and now it's kind of a trade-off because you have to have your phone next to the bed when, you know, when you go to sleep, which I'm sure you probably mm. say, don't do that, but you turn the app on, it monitors your sleep stages through your breathing and then you can mm. set it. So it basically helps you wake up more easily. So let's say you want to wake up at six, you set it for a window, 545 to 615. And it will wake you up at the more ideal time during that window when it is easiest for you to mm. awaken. I'm thinking it's from REM sleep because I always remember my dreams. So I think it pulls you out of REM sleep and makes it so much easier to wake up. And I use that to reset my clock a little bit when I wanted to try to um, wake up at a different time. And I've been using it for years. So I always like to give it a shout out because I think it's so helpful. And then once you stabilize your wake time, then, you know, of course, you have to go back on the other end and stabilize your, your bedtime. Um, do you use yeah, any I mean, similar it, ones? So we at Sleep Science Academy, we actually use the Aura Ring. And the reason is you, you cannot improve what you don't measure. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't master what you don't measure, right? So, so the Aura Ring, it's a ring that people wear on their fingers, kind of like a sleep lab on your finger. And it tells you your sleep efficiency, which is your time in bed asleep, tells you your sleep latency, stages of sleep, tells you body temperature, heart rate, heart rate variability, tells you all these really important metrics. Um, to, and then gives you a sleep score. So at the end of it, it gives you a readiness score and a sleep score. And, um, and it's really just amazing, you know, having that feedback, because when you see that you're making these psychological and behavioral changes, and you can see the impact on your sleep, not just feel it, but you can see it, it creates that momentum and motivation to continue to do what works and stop doing what doesn't work. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think that there's, you don't have to measure your sleep for, you know, for, for your entire life. But if you're looking to improve something, measuring is critical um, because it gives you that feedback loop. That's, that's really important for behavioral change. You definitely speak the same language. I bet we read all the same books. <laughs> um, okay. The other thing I want to ask you was if you read the book called the miracle morning, this is my other favorite. Yeah. So uh, Hal, Hal Elrod. author's name is Hale. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yep. That's a, a great book. It's, um, yeah, I, I say a great night of sleep starts as soon as you wake up. So that's yep. right in line with, with his message. Yeah. But the other interesting, the reason why I bring it up is that he talks a lot about affirmations, you know, statements that you can say to yourself that help, as I call it, they pre-program the thoughts that you're trying to have. And he has these nighttime affirmations that I think are really genius. A lot of people don't think of this. And so it might be something like, regardless of how many hours of sleep I get, I know I can function tomorrow and tomorrow will be a great day. So it kind of helps mm -hmm. undo some of the negative thoughts that you were talking about in the beginning. So you can, you can do the work before you go to sleep to set the stage for how you're going to feel when you wake up, regardless of what happened with your sleep as you're trying to improve things. So I think that's so powerful and 
everyone who listens to the podcast knows all about the Miracle Morning book because I talk about it all the time. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. We call them like NSTs, like negative sleep thoughts and PSTs, positive sleep yes. thoughts. Yeah. And like pre, you know, pre-programming or like creating that neuroplasticity um, by by kind of connecting to those positive sleep thoughts. I mean, that's a great time as you're as you're drifting off to sleep to sort yeah. of just you know, get them going. So while you're asleep, your subconscious is sort of, uh, you know, uh, running that again and again. Exactly. Um, that's cool. I'll have to, I'll have to revisit that, that section of the book. It's been a couple of years since I've read that one. Yeah. It's really great. And I've noticed that I think this is the weirdest thing that I wake up and I, one of the questions I sometimes ask is, okay, so where did I leave off last night? Like your brain kind of goes to, what was I thinking about? So you have the opportunity to decide what was the last thing that you're going to be thinking about and then set the stage for that to be in your head in the morning. And it's really powerful. So that is much way, a better way of programming than watching the news where it's all negative and doom and gloom. And and that's what a lot of people do. They're in, they're in bed watching the news and it's like, gosh, no wonder you're thinking about all the shootings and the, you know, it's like, come on, like, that's not, that's the last thing you want to be doing. There's enough fear and and doubt and worry, just living a life, you know, you want to program more of that into your, into your mind as you're totally going to sleep. Okay. So my very last question for you is where can people find you? If they want to learn more about this, where's a good place for people to find you? Yeah. So, um, sleepscienceacademy.com. And then, um, my name, Devin Burke wellness, uh, on social and YouTube, I put, I put out quite a, quite a bit of content over the years. Um, just little, little strategies and tools for, for people that have sleep issues, but that's, that's where they can find me. Okay. Yeah. So I see you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on LinkedIn, so we can find you everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm not that, honestly, I'm not that act. Like it, it kind of looks like I'm active, but I'm not really like a social media person. I have like people, I like to make the content. I have people that help me, you know, so if you, someone reaches out to me on there, it might, might take me a little bit to get back to you. Cause not okay. like, yeah, no, but, um, was, but was, I do like to, to share things to, cause you know, I think it's, you know, to help people. Yeah. So. It's, it's so helpful. I mean, it's another example how we can pre-program our feed by choosing who you follow you can pre-program the content that you're exposed to and mm, yours would yes. be great great to have swimming around in your head. So I'm so glad that, <laughs> that, you, um, that our paths crossed and that I could bring on the podcast and share this really helpful information for others. So thank you so much, Devin, for being here today. Um, it was great, great getting to know more about the work that you're doing. And um, thank you everyone for listening for another episode and tune in next week. I'll be back with another episode as we make our way through 2023. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.